This morning, we continue our, our summer in the Psalms by looking at Psalm 32, verses 1 to 7. Psalm 32, 1 to 7. Now, this is also uh, another Psalm of David. It's, this poem is powerful in its application to everyday life. The psalm talks about secrets, about, about things that we don't want others to know about, that we're scared of, anyone, even, even God, finding out about. Research suggests that each of us has a secret that we don't want to get out, that we don't want to have shared. That would be devastating to us if anyone else were to know about it. Our psalm today talks about just such a secret. It talks about the burden of carrying it. And the freedom found in dealing with it. In confessing it to God and being washed by His forgiveness. I pray that we would each find that that same release. that, That as we read and study this psalm this morning, that God would be at work in us, leading us to confession and reminding us that we can be totally confident in the forgiveness that has been given to each of us because of the cross. Let's read our psalm this morning, Psalm 32, 1 to 7. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. pray this in your name. Amen. Secrets. Secrets. One of, my, one of my children came up to me not too long ago. And I was like, Dad, Dad, I, Mom told me a secret. She told me something, and, and I'm not supposed to tell anyone. But, but can, I, can I tell you? Can I tell you this, this, you know, this secret? And I was like, well, I mean, mom told you not to tell anyone, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not supposed to tell anyone. Then you probably shouldn't tell anyone. Like, you don't, don't tell me the secret. And you could just like see the, the like, oh man, the disappointment just like wash over his face, right? Like, oh man, like, but I, but I've got this secret and I, I, need, like, I need to tell it, right? So a little bit later in the day, he's, he's playing with his brother and I, and I hear him, hey, hey, I've, I've got a secret. Do you want to know what it is? Like, can I, can I tell you, can I tell you the secret? <laughs> it 
Secrets bring a burden, don't they? Keeping a secret can be like, it can be incredibly difficult. And with it comes a burden that we may not have expected. We may not even realized that this burden came, comes, is attached to the secret that we have. A A study done by Columbia University in 2015 found that in four different tests, keeping a secret proved to have real and perceived physical effects. In the first test, Dr. Michael Slepian and his colleagues, they found 40 people, they, they, they got these 40 people together and they told them to recall a secret. So think of a secret that you have, all right? So I'm gonna get, he got 40 people together, think of a secret. And then these 40 people were told and were asked to estimate the steepness of a hill. It's like, all right, you've got the secret, you're thinking about it, right? You're holding on to the secret, and while you're thinking about the secret, take a look at this hill over here. How steep do you think that that hill is? Those harboring a meaningful personal secret, so something that meant a lot to them, something that they had you know, buried, something that was, that was very personal, very real, very deep to them, they estimated, they, they believed that the hill was steeper than those who merely recalled little secrets. In another test, the researcher found 40 people who admitted to infidelity, who admitted to cheating on their spouse, on their significant other. And the participants first rated their guilt over that matter. So they said, all right, all of you have cheated on your spouse. Now rate how guilty you feel about that. How much guilt do you feel for having cheated? And then they were asked to rate the energy and effort required to perform common tasks, such as carrying groceries upstairs or helping someone move or walking the dog. The people who were bothered by their secret, who, who carried more guilt, who rated their infidelity higher on the guilt index, <laughs> that's not really such a thing, but it just sounds nice, right? Like the, the guilt index, they rated it higher. Those tasks... Those everyday tasks, they were rated as, as using more energy, as wearing them out. The more burdensome their secrets were, the more participants perceived everyday behaviors as if they were carrying a physical burden, the author wrote in the study. The study's conclusion the more burdensome the secret and the more thought devoted to it, the more perception and action were influenced in a matter similar to carrying a weight. So the more a secret means to a person, the need to keep it quiet, right, to keep it safe, the more a person fears others finding out and the consequences of being found out, then the more the other areas of life are affected. Things that aren't heavy feel heavier. Hills look steeper. The walk down the stairs is a little longer. The walk up even more so. The vacuum feels a little heavier. The pile of dishes looks higher. The stack of papers at work a bit more daunting. It's as if you are doing the things that you would typically do, the things that you're normally supposed to do, living everyday life, carrying an extra physical weight. So the burden manifests not just emotionally, 
but physically. Not just emotionally, but physically. Keeping secrets is a burden. David, David didn't need to study from a respected university to know that this was true. He didn't need Columbia to come out with this study for him to understand that this was a thing. Because he speaks about it so clearly in our psalm this morning. Where he writes and we read verses 3 to 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David recognizes the toll that keeping his secret was having on him. He felt it physically as well as mentally. How are you dealing with your secrets? The secrets that you are protecting, that you are hoping that no one will ever find out. How are you managing that burden? There's there's a part of us that longs to let go of our secrets, that longs for them to be exposed, though we use so much energy and, and take so much care to make sure that they are buried deep, that they won't be exposed. You know, we, we hide it. We, we keep it as, as far away. We bury it as deep. We ignore it. We, we repress it. We push them back, trying not to deal with them as, as much as possible. Right? Even, even though we, we push them back so far, we bury them so deep so that they'll never see daylight, so that no one will ever know, so that it's never something that is ever going to come out. That no one can ever know how bad I was or that I thought this or that this happened to me or whatever it may be. We bury that and in spite of how much we don't want that exposed. At the same time, we do want them exposed. There's a part of us that longs to be free of the burden of our secrets. So that we don't need to carry that weight anymore we see it all the time I mean you think of like a deathbed confessions right the 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 man who made the the most famous uh, photo of the Loch Ness monster on his deathbed confessed that it was a fake he couldn't take it anymore he was just done and and, and the guilt of, of having misled Having lied to so many people was just more than he could bear. Here it is, right? Here's, here's my confession. So it's not, it's not just like these big things. It's not just, you know, I murdered somebody or I cheated on my spouse or I hated my mom or whatever it may be. Like those secrets aren't the only ones that want to come out. There's, there's, there's many examples of guys who have, who have been on their deathbed and they've, and they've pulled They've pulled the, the pastor close and, or whoever it may be, whoever was in the room and said, you know, I've, I've got a confession to make. I cheated on a test in like the third grade. What? Like that's the secret you're holding on to? That's the thing that has just been eating away at your guilt, at your conscience? It's not just the big things, guys. There's some secret, there's something that, that we have done that we bury that just eats at us, that becomes a burden, a weight for us, and it wants to be said. We want to get it out. We want others to know about it. We see this, like, a very clear example of this is is in the movie A Few Good Men. 
I don't know if we've all seen the movie, but, but in the movie, there's these, these two privates and, uh, in the army. And, and they, basically, they're ordered to do a code red on another, another like a peer of theirs, another guy in, in their squad, in their group. And, and a code red is something you're not supposed to do. They, they do code reds to guys if, if they aren't holding their weight. So this, this one guy, Private Santiago, he was not carrying his weight. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He wasn't doing it well. He was falling down on the job. And because of that, the rest of the squad was getting punished. And so these two guys were ordered to give this man a code red. And he had a medical condition that nobody knew about that, that, that wasn't realized. And because of the code red that they gave him, which was a standard code red, so they did code reds even though they weren't allowed to do code reds, San Diego dies. Because of this code red. And now these two men, these two privates in the army, are on trial for murder. And Tom Cruise is their lawyer. It's, it's a great movie. I'd, I'd encourage you to watch it. It's, it's pretty awesome. But they, as they go through the, the trial process, as they go through vetting the witnesses and trying to find the truth and find the facts and find the evidence and all these different things, everything gets buried. And it comes to light so they know it. But they don't have the ability to prove it. But it's actually like the, the commander of this Guantanamo base where this happens. It's the commander of the base, the guy that's in charge of all of it, Jessup. He is the one that has ordered this code red to be carried out on Santiago. And, and they have no proof. They have no way of doing it. And, and Tom Cruise comes in the morning of the trial and he's like, I got it. I know how we're going to win this case. He says, for us to win, Jessup has to say that he gave the order. And his, his co-counsel looks at him and is like, you think you can get him to say that? To which Cruz's character responds, I think he wants to say it. I think he wants to say it. Which leads to this courtroom drama, this fantastic scene where Tom Cruise gets in the face of Jessup and he says, I want the truth. And to which Jessup responds, you can't handle the truth. And that follows a big confession of all of these things. He wanted to get it out. He wanted people to know what he had done. He didn't want to hold that secret. He didn't want the shame, the guilt of, of what that secret carried. He wanted it out there. I think he wants to say it. Our secrets want out. They long to be told. We don't want to hold on to them. We know it's not good for us. We know it's slowly killing us and it's making life harder for us. We can feel it with every step we take. And yet we hold on. Paul in his letter to the Galatians talks about bearing each other's burdens. And in James we read about confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other. The Bible is so clear on how we should be letting go of these secrets and bringing them before our brothers and sisters in Christ. They want out. And the Bible tells us to confess them, to bring them forward. Now church, this is important. And I don't want us to miss this. When someone confesses a sin to us, to one of us or, or to us as a whole, 
It is not our job or our place to give that person instruction on how to go about making themselves more acceptable to us or to God. That's not our place. The Holy Spirit is at work in that person's life, and and we let the Spirit work. Remember, we are not talking about unconfessed sin here. We're talking about confessed sin. This isn't something someone is hiding or denying, but something someone is confessing. If someone confesses their sin to us, one of us or us as a whole, we embrace them. And we tell them that they are forgiven. We remind them of the price that has been paid for the sin that has been committed. And that they have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't share the knowledge of their sin. We don't pass it down the prayer chain. We don't send it out in a group text. We don't live stream the confession. We love them. We cry with them, maybe. And we tell them that they are forgiven. We remind them of the price that has been paid. That is the role of the church in confessed sin. And we all have sin. We all have secrets that need to be confessed. So why don't we? Why why do we hold on? Why don't we confess? Why are we nervous about bringing our secrets into the light and confessing as James, as Paul, as, as God has urged us to? Three preachers were on a non-productive fishing trip when they began to discuss various topics to pass the time. One preacher said he thought it would be nice if they confessed their, their biggest sins to each other. And then, and then they would be able to pray for each other. They all agreed. And the first preacher, so the first preacher, he goes first and he says, you know, his biggest sin is that he likes to sit at the beach now and then and, and watch the pretty women stroll by. The second preacher confessed that his biggest sin was that he had an alcohol stash in his shed and would drink until he passed out on nights that his wife was away or if she went to bed before he did. Turning to the third preacher, they asked, Brother, what is your biggest sin? With a grin, he said, Oh, my biggest sin is gossiping. It's a bit close to home, right? It's a bit close to home because it's true. It's true. This is a huge and sadly justifiable fear that when we confess to a brother or sister that soon enough, Everyone will know, and that judgment will follow instead of forgiveness. That condemnation will come instead of grace. That we'll be shamed, not just the shame that we carry, not just shamed from ourselves, but also from those that we call brothers and sisters. Why do we hold on to our secrets? Why do we stop ourselves from confessing? We're scared. Of the consequences. We don't trust those to whom we should be able to share our secrets, to whom we should be able to confess. And so we try to manage our burden alone. How did, how did David manage his burden? 
Verse 5 in our, in our passage today. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Maybe you don't have a friend or someone that you trust that you can confess your secrets to, that you can confide in. But you do have a heavenly father that you can bring anything to. That you can confess anything to. You guys, he already knows. He knows all the things that we try to hide, that we try to ignore, that we try to repress, that we try to bury deep. He knows all of it. He knows the weight that you're carrying, the burden that you're struggling with. And he is simply waiting for his children, the ones he loves, to bring it before him, to confess their sin and their struggle to him. He longs to lift the burden. He longs for us to pour it all out at the cross, to surrender it to him. And he takes the guilt and the shame and he holds us close, restoring us to relationship with him. It's not something that we earn. He doesn't send us out to do penance for our sins so that we might be forgiven. Augustine, he's a a philosopher, a theologian from... Long time, way back. He, he says this. He says, not by the merits of works, but by the grace of God, man is delivered so that we might be forgiven. Not by the merits of works, but by the grace of God, man is delivered, confessing his sin. God's forgiveness is not dependent on how well we perform the things he wants us to do. It is all because of his grace. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He will forgive us. Not after we have done a laundry list of tasks, right? Our forgiveness is not based off of how many days we've remained sober, how regular we attend church, how much money we give to the church, or how often we volunteer at our homeless shelter. While all of those things can be good things, there are not qualifiers on forgiveness. Confession is contrition. It is feeling sorry for what we have done, in which, feeling God's anger, we confess that God is right to be angry with us, that he has a good reason to be angry with us, and that he cannot That we cannot be reconciled to him by works. We cannot earn reconciliation by the things that we do. And despite all of that, despite our inability, despite what we can't do, we seek for mercy because of God's promise. We seek for mercy because of God's promise. He has promised to forgive us. He will forgive us. Though the enemy of our souls is at work trying to convince us that that what we have done is unforgivable. That we have gone too far. That God can't possibly forgive the sin that we have committed. The mess that we have made. 
Despite all of that, despite the enemy working on us in that way, know and remember that he is lying. He's lying. Satan lies to our hearts, intending to push us farther from God, to cause us to run from the one who can help. The one who longs to help, who desires to help. Do not listen to the deceiver, the enemy. Trust in the word of God, in the promises of God, the promises of one who loves you. If you are carrying a burden this morning, if you are harboring a secret that you have been unable to share because of embarrassment, because of shame, because you fear the consequences of how others will treat you if they know, I pray that you will have the courage to confess that secret to another person. And if not a person, then at least to God. Don't be weighed down by the burden of your secrets any longer. Bring them before the throne of the living God and let him release you of that burden, of that weight. As we read this psalm, we remember with David that our God is not a God who seeks to condemn us, but to save us. We remember again that our God only helps those who cannot help themselves. And we remember that Christ has already carried the burden and weight of our shame to the cross and has declared that we are forgiven once and for all, for all of our sins. And this means we never have to carry them again. We never have to carry them again. So whatever burden you're carrying, bring it to a brother or sister. Bring it to God. Confess it and be free. Be set free by the one who has bought your freedom. Be set free by the one who has paid the price. Be set free by the one who loves you so much. Be set free by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.